What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul. I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? And we're back today with another series that we started last year. We want to continue this year as the season goes on. Uh, Let us know if you want more of these episodes throughout the year as we go on. It's like about a midpoint roughly in the season. So we decided we'd do our Pro Bowl episode thus far into the season. We'll put all the quarterbacks towards the top of, I guess, the league this season in a couple of tiers to where we think they've played this year. And then after that, go into how we think they'll play out the rest of the season, how some other guys who are maybe not in right now but could sneak their way into the list later as the year goes on, as we've seen them improve over the last couple of weeks, and just talk about how we think uh, things will shake out the rest of the year. Uh, And with that being said, before I start, just please real quick follow us on Twitter at PD34 underscore uh, and for me at RealRahulPotty2. And if you've been enjoying this episode, any of the other episodes, whether it's the rookie recap or the weekly recaps, just please like, follow, subscribe, do what you can on the platform you're listening on to help out. And with that being said, PD, I'll let you jump into the first tier. Yeah, so let's start dividing these guys up by group. So um, I have uh, a group of four guys that are locks for the Pro Bowl, which basically means that they're pushing like MVP tier. Um, They are clearly in the Pro Bowl tier for me. um, And I think that they're, they're... numbers right now and for the foreseeable future for the rest of the year uh, should continue to stack up with the league's best. Um, so those four guys for me um, are Tua Tungvaloa, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. And I'm just going to throw some numbers out there um, to conte- contextualize uh, how well these guys have been playing. Obviously, um, with the work that we do on the recap, recap episodes, uh, preview episodes, you guys can get more detail about how specifically these guys have played uh, game by game. But um, just as a summary, um, Tua, first in PFF's passing grade and fourth in overall grade, uh, fifth in EPA per play, and fifth in completion percentage over expectation. Um, Josh Allen, third in PFF passing grade, second in overall grade, uh, fourth in EPA, <coughs> first in completion percentage over expectation. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, a little down um, at eighth in PFF passing grade, sixth in overall grade. Uh, third in EPA, 11th in completion percentage over expectation. And Lamar also a little bit down, but uh, we'll get into why um, with these guys. Went sixth in overall, uh, sixth in P- PFS passing grade, fourth in overall grade, um, 13, 13th in EPA per play, and sixth in CPOE. So um, Potty will share some disagreements or agreements, and then we'll discuss a little bit. Yeah, so just quickly talking about my locked here. It's very similar to PD's here, but there's one key a disagreement we've had pretty much throughout the year and uh, right now with this list. And for me, Tua Tagovailoa, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes are also in the certified lock tier uh, for the Pro Bowl right now. And for me, Josh Allen is a tier below. Uh, Before I get into why I think the other guys are there, just real quick on Allen, I feel like if we had the same list maybe – halfway or or a quarter into the season, maybe even a couple of weeks ago, I would have had Allen here. He's had pretty high-level elite performances like the Commanders game earlier this year, like the Raiders game earlier this year. But I think the past couple of weeks, we've seen a lot worse version of Allen. The offense doesn't look nearly as good, which we'll discuss in a second. But in general, I think his decision-making has been worse. There's been... uh, as many turnover-worthy plays as we've seen in previous years, as many interceptions as we've seen in previous years. But this year, nowhere near the same amount of explosive plays. Him and Diggs seem out of sync. Gabe Davis hasn't had the explosive plays we expected. And we see a lot more like quick passes to guys like James Cook, Dalton Kincaid, a lot more of him just tucking and running after the first read and not really going to his progressions like we've seen him do over the past couple of years. In general, to me, this feels like an older version of jo- or a younger version of Josh Allen, I should say, than the peak Josh Allen we've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, so with Allen, um, I do agree that it's a, it's a down year, but I would have still had him in this tier because I think um, the turnover-worthy plays are down even with the interceptions up. Um, 
just some bad interception luck this year. Um, the one thing that I wholeheartedly agree on, and I'm, I've been harping on it for a bit, but the way that the Bills have chosen to run offense is a lot lower uh, average depth of target uh, compared to years past for Josh Allen. Um, Josh Allen last year was near the top of the league with a 10.2 average depth of target. This year, it's under nine. So a huge drop off in terms of where he's throwing the football. And the bigger thing for me is that when they've kind of confined Josh Allen to play within these certain limits, um, kind of throw more short, throw it to Dalton Kincaid more, throw it to James Cook more. Um, what you do is you eliminate a huge amount of his impact in the ground game because a ton of his impact comes in scrambles in situations where he's trying to make a big play. And when you get the ball out of his hands quickly, he loses the ability to have that impact. And you can see this just from like his rushing attempts. He's on pace to have way, way less rushing attempts than he did last year. Um, the rushing yardage obviously would be significantly down um, in that sense as well. And I think it's possible that he could be losing a step physically, although I don't necessarily see that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something to look forward um, as we see uh, OC change from Ken Dorsey to Joe Brady, whether they just kind of let him go. Because I think that when Allen is scrambling um, and making plays out of the pocket, that's when he's at his most comfortable, and that's when the Bills' offense is at its most explosive. So yeah. um, the, tur the turnover that he plays will continue to come in bunches for Allen. That's just a trait of his. But mm -hmm. when you structure the offense in a way that limits the explosives that he can get, um, especially on the ground, I think that that's something that limits the offense in general. And I understand being lower on – like you are already lower on Allen, so – taking a season where he's having a down year um, pushes him down the list. Yeah, and to me, I agree with what you're saying where I think Allen, I also personally wouldn't say he's taken a step back physically. I don't think his arm's any worse. And mentally, it doesn't seem like he's a different player. And to me, if you want to argue that he still can play at what we've seen the past few years, I'd absolutely agree. I don't think he himself has taken like a big step back in terms of his ability but in terms of what we've seen on the field in terms of his production I think he has taken a massive step back because of the scheme and yeah maybe that's a little bit out of his control but still that's what we're seeing like because they don't have as many deep passing plays like you said you don't get to see Josh Allen scramble as much in the open field he has nowhere near the same amount of attempts and yards rushing the ball and a lot of that is also just because they're passing it short so much defenses have kind of come forward to where in previous years they're sitting back a lot more on Josh Allen and there's a lot less space for him to just rush through the middle of the field and like you said to utilize his amazing arm talent biggest arm in the league you do need to go deep a lot you do need to call a lot of deep shot plays to kind of unlock Allen as they have the past few years and they're not doing that but unfortunately because they haven't been doing that he's not able to make up for the turnover worthy plays he's still making like we've seen other quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes last year who started off being big play quarterbacks who took a lot of shots kind of morphed their game into a lot shorter a, a lot more of the short game and even this year we're seeing it out of him and yeah he's still throwing picks like he used to but not at the same rate he was when he was taking a lot of shots. And I feel like Allen is throwing the the ball, uh, turning the ball over at the same rate while not making up for it anymore. And just to throw uh, a number on the, the scramble thing that I was talking about. So Josh Allen, mm -hmm. this year, he's at 7.1% scramble rate. That Last year, that was at up at 8.3%. So a healthy chunk of his rush attempts are scrambles and um, mm -hmm. taking some of that out would significantly cap his rushing impact. Uh, all right, so let's quickly get into why the other guys are in this group for us. Um, so I'll start off with Tua because he was first in um, PFF passing grade. That was the first stat that I looked at. So um, Tua's ability to play with anticipation, um, throw catchable balls at maybe the highest rate in the league, um, also combining that with precise ball placement um, near the top of the league, just incredible synergy with this offense. Um, he is currently playing with some of the best anticipation I've really ever seen from a quarterback. It's like one step behind Peyton Manning at this point. He just has complete trust in his offense, just continues to throw well before his receivers are out of their breaks, um, before they're even close to open. And it leads to some gigantic gains because defenders cannot um, play with the level of anticipation that Tua can, and he's just a step ahead. Um, and with the way that the Miami offense is constructed, that's leading to good results 
consistently consistently at this point. Um, another thing I should mention is that he's been a lot more uh, powerful in the pocket. So that's leading to um, less, what I would say, are rush decisions um, and fumbles, especially, um, are something that I was looking at. And that's a big thing that's uh, driving down his uh, turnover-worthy play rate overall for me. Um, he's still putting the ball in harm's way in terms of interceptions. And that's something that's going to happen when you anticipate quite a lot. Um, there's going to be miscommunication. There's going to be times when um, your educated guess is wrong. But um, that kind of playing with more strength in the pocket has been a big improvement to me. And um, his ability to avoid sacks is, is still very strong. Um, and yeah, just, just fingers crossed that he stays healthy because this level of play, uh, driving elite offense is, is fantastic to watch. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think a couple of weeks ago, you probably would, we probably would have said he's the clear-cut number one at this point. I don't know who's going to end up being that between my three guys of Tua and obviously Lamar and Mahomes, like we just mentioned. But yeah, Tua's been absolutely lights out this year. He's put up some of the best offensive performances we've seen out of anybody this year. Games like the Broncos game, uh, the Panthers game. Uh, even the Chargers game early on in the year week one are some of the best QB performances we've seen this year with plenty of explosive plays all day. The way he's fit into McDaniel's offense there worked with Tyreek Hill, especially this season, who's on pace to put up 2,000 yards because of him. And even with a down year coming from his number two option, Waddle, who's been dealing with injuries, he hasn't missed a step from what we've seen out of the best of him last year before kind of the concussions picked up. And like you mentioned, it starts with his best trade by far, and that's the accuracy anticipation. He's able to do that consistently, and because he doesn't necessarily have the biggest arm, he's not always able to hit that deep shot, but he's always able to hit that out route, but throwing it uh, right at the break and getting it right to the perfect spot or throwing it right in between two tight windows in the middle of the field. He's really good at that. He's still amazing at attacking that middle of the field, hitting those crossers, getting his receivers in space and able to get plenty of yak yards. For me, the only thing that may hold him back the rest of the year and I guess has held him from being the clear number one this year for me is those games where he puts up like the stinker performances. I don't think it's on the level of Allen, nowhere near it, I'd actually argue, but he also has pretty bad down games. And I think that's kind of a trait with a lot of these guys at the top right now, uh, at least this season, like games like uh, the Chiefs game that he just had, at least for me, the Eagles game, uh, the Patriots game earlier in the season, and the biggest example being, I'd say the Giants game, I think those are games where he does make a lot of key mistakes team or a couple of games where teams have been able to exploit kind of the weaknesses in his game to a high extent. And he is more prone to that. I feel like than a lot of other quarterbacks who do have the arm talent to kind of just get away with it and make up for it with explosive plays, kind of like you would see with Josh Allen. And sometimes when maybe his accuracy or anticipation is a little bit off that day, he can, have those sort of games but so far this season he's had way more high level games to offset that and to me is a lock so far yeah the the games where he's having an off day accuracy or anticipation wise are going to be really tough because he's mm -hmm. so reliant on those tools as his bread and butter um not really compensating much for any of those having an off day with arm strength or um playmaking out of structure he's gotten to like average at, at playmaking out of structure but um really not able to make up for when you lose um, an all-time great of his with all-time great trait of his with the anticipation or um, really strong one with uh, his accuracy. Um, so let's go to another quarterback in this tier, um, and that's Patrick Mahomes. So Mahomes is having a pretty solid down year statistically. Eighth in PFF passing grade, sixth overall grade, third in EPA, um, and 11th in completion percentage over expectation, like I mentioned before. So um, normally we'll see those all consistently in the top five or close to the top of the league. Um, but for him, they look kind of like <laughs> fringe, fringe Pro Bowl-ish type of numbers. Um, I do think that um, some of his passing issues um, are pretty apparent. Um, the deep ball game for the Chiefs is just absolutely cooked right now. Um, they have no one who's able to separate consistently down the field um, because Marcus Valdez-Scantling just kind of looks washed. 
um, and Travis Kelsey dealing with injuries at the beginning of the season and just generally aging and not really being like a vertical threat really anymore. He's more like a intermediate, um, can dominate in the intermediate area of the field. Um, yeah, so the Chiefs' explosive play rate has been a lot down from years past, but Mahomes is still in this tier because he, while he does have a pretty solidly high turnover-worthy play rate this year uh, relative to the guys on this list, um, he is able to make up with intermediate passes and consistently making plays out of structure. Um, just a dominant player in terms of avoiding sacks while also being able to turn um, a broken play into a positive one. Um, and despite the fact that all his stats are um, down relative to what his normal standard is, I think that the situation for the first time in his career could be described um, as a negative one with um, Travis Kelsey being uh, in a declining state, um, the other receivers just being pretty awful collectively. Um, the only thing that can really save it at this point is the fact that the pass blocking um, for the Chiefs is still pretty solid. Um, and Andy Reid just doesn't seem to have his fastball like he did last year. So all of those variables collectively are making it a much worse situation than it was last year. Um, but with his stats being in the Pro Bowl level collectively, um, and me trying to um, wait for situational that he's still going to be solidly in this group. Yeah, I absolutely agree with pretty much everything you said there because one of the biggest things for me with these high-level quarterbacks is situations. To me, I do skew it a lot more for quarterbacks who are able to put up similar level of play like here with Mahomes and the next guy we'll talk about in Jackson, but do it in what I'd describe as well, maybe not in the case of Lamar, but in this absolutely a negative situation. And I think that's a big reason as to why we're seeing kind of a different version of the Chiefs offense and a different version of Mahomes, because we do have games like both the Broncos games or like the Jets games where teams have really good DBs to put on a very weak Chiefs receiving core and then guys are not getting much separation and you see a pretty bad game out of Mahomes. And I think those games, much like uh, some of the bad games out of Tua and some of the bad games out of Allen, kind of do show us the weaknesses in Mahomes' game. I thought those games showed to me that if given really tight windows, if not given a lot of separation, which obviously is a tough situation, but Mahomes does not have the accuracy to be able to kind of slice and dice in tight windows and beat those sort of defenses who have elite level DVs that give him nothing. He's a lot better with running around, making plays in space when his receivers kind of allow him to make those plays or being able to hit more open guys. So it did show me those weaknesses. However, Given his situation, he's still shown a lot of what he can do that we didn't really get to see in previous years. Like PD mentioned with Travis Kelsey, he's taken a little bit of a step back in terms of his deep play threat. And most importantly, I think just him moving in the open field. I mean, for his size, Kelsey was extremely fluid and an incredible athlete in the open field. And I think at his age right now, it's tough to do that, and because of that, it's limited the big playability of this Chiefs offense. There's really no one in that receiving core who can do that, and Mahomes has been able to adapt to a certain extent. I mean, he's in the pocket a lot more than he is in previous years, and he's still taking uh, a historically low level of sacks. He's been able to do a great job of shuffling around, moving in the pocket. I think his accuracy has looked the best it ever has. Uh, and I think his ability to read defenses has been at an all-time high in terms of his career too. Uh, it just, yeah, statistically it doesn't look as good because it is a terrible situation. On top of that, I do agree with what you said about Andy Reid. I think one of the biggest things about the Chiefs offense was how fluid and kind of smooth it looked in previous years. And this year it looks a lot more choppy. There's a lot more miscues. There's a lot more like drops, a lot more routes that don't go the right way it should. I, it just shows a lack of experience, a lack of kind of unity between this unit, a lot of new pieces that Mahomes is not used to. Uh, it's not looking the best, and he's still been able to put up a relatively similar season statistically uh, to a lot of these other elite guys. So for me, he's also a lock. 
Yeah, um, I think I might end up with the situation as neutral as the year goes on. I like mm-hmm. fingers crossed that they play Rasheed Rice at some point because he is their second best pass catcher. Pretty yeah, clearly sure. to me, um, and he would be a pretty capable number two receiver if they decided to play him. So um, might end up there. Um, all right. So the last guy who is a lock for both of us is Lamar Jackson. Um, sixth in PFF passing grade, fourth overall grade, thirteenth in EPA, and sixth in CPOE. So um, Lamar having a great statistical season, save for the EPA. Um, the EPA really downweighted by the Steelers game where his receivers dropped six passes by my charting in that in that game. So I don't want to take that at face value. He's been playing pretty fantastic football for most of the season. Um, a little bit of a downturn recently from uh, these last few games, but he's still a lock for me for what he did for the first seven weeks of the season. Not a great game against Arizona, not a great game against Cleveland, but um, he's dropping from what would win the MVP for me uh, to a strong Pro Bowl guy. So, um, yeah, just playing really well. Um, The Ravens' pass blocking is really, really good. Um, The Ravens' receivers are much upgraded, and now I can say that they're a solid unit uh, with Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers being a solid one-two punch. Um, And the depth behind them, I'm not really a fan. But on any given game, um, Nelson Aguilar can look like a very good receiver. um, And... Yeah, I, I don't have anything to say about Odell, but um, the the group that they put around Lamar, plus a strong scheme from Todd Munkin, um, for the first time in a bit, their overall um, unit, I can say, is solidly in the positive. So um, good situation for Lamar, but he's outplaying that situation by a good bit, and um, he's a lock for me as well. Yeah, for me, there's a couple of things there I agree with, a couple of things I disagree with. I think the biggest point that we, we're in agreement here is he's kind of de- dealing with the same situation as a Tua and maybe even Allen here where he started off incredible. I think both of us a couple of weeks ago would have said he was the number one to clear MVP. Last couple of weeks, like you mentioned, a couple of down performances, but still overall too many elite games to for us to downgrade him outside of that Cleveland game, uh, the Arizona game, which you mentioned, that was a little bit rough. And earlier on in the year for me, the Pittsburgh game, outside of that, there wasn't really any bad performances from him. I think this year his accuracy has looked one of the best. It's been, uh, I think, kind of because of the system switch. They did say they were going to lean a lot more into the passing offense, and they have, but I think they did it less to the extent that they kind of made it out to be in the preseason. That was a little of what me and PD were worried about, the Ravens' offense going into the year, how they were going to fit this little uh, new, like, run-and-gun scheme they wanted to run with a lot more open sets. And I do think, to a certain extent, they still have kept what made this Ravens offense great, what made Lamar Jackson so good in the system, but added a little bit more variety to where it's a more dynamic offense. And I think Lamar has benefited from that scheme. Uh, To where I do still disagree is I don't necessarily think this is a strongly plus situation. I'd say this is a neutral to maybe slight plus. I do think we still got to take into account the fact that, yeah, this receiving core is pretty terrible. Zay Flowers as your receiver one at this point in his career is not good. And when we look at how I'd say the rest of this receiving core is by far bad. And if you take Zay Flowers out of it, it's a really, really bad unit. I think Odell has his moments. Same with Nelson Aguilar. Bateman hasn't looked as good as he needs to. Uh, Mark Andrews has obviously been incredible. We know this that Lamar Jackson dynamic with him uh, has always been great. And I think he's as good as he ever has been. But the running back room took a big toll with J.K. Dobbins. That's made uh, the run game a lot more uh, reliant on Lamar himself. Uh, so I think stuff like that has kind of held them back. Obviously, this offensive line unit is also elite uh, and very, very helpful for Lamar. I think that all evens out when you take all of that into account with the scheme to relatively neutral or slightly above average because of how cooked that receiving core and running back room is. And I think one of the biggest contributors to a quarterback success is the receiving room and with it being as bad as Lamar's is with what he's doing to me he's definitely a lock all right so let's move on to the next group for us these guys are in for me um, but they're not quite locks 
Um, I, I was thinking of putting one of the guys into the lock tier. Actually, both of them. I've, I've thought about putting them in the lock tier. That's why they're uh, right on the fringes. But um, for me, this is Dak Prescott and Jared Goff. Dak, fifth in PF passing grade, third in overall grade, second in EPA per play, and fourth in CPOE. Um, Jared Goff, second in PFF passing grade, first in overall grade, 10th in EPA per play, and 12th in CPOE. Um, Goff kind of downweighted pretty heavily in EPA per play by um, the, the Ravens game, where he was admittedly below average, but the, the numbers kind of like, – like the Ravens' offense is kind of responsible for his EPA being th- so low because um, they just quickly scored and, and made his, <coughs> any contributions that he made kind of moot at that point. Um, but – I, so I'll start it off, um, or I'll, I'll I'll let you respond. Uh, who do you guys who, who do you have in this group? Yeah. Uh, so obviously, after from the last uh, list, I didn't have Allen there, so Allen falls here. Uh, don't think we need to go more into that. And for me, the second guy who's also in, I don't really think the they'd argue out. And I also much like you, they put this tier as guys who I could argue as locks, but. They're just below that for me. And for that reason, I have just Allen and Jared Goff there. And the reason we disagree on Dak and this another guy much like Allen we've talked about off the pod. For me, I think Dak's early season was so bad or some moments of his early season were so bad that the last couple of weeks, which I think we both agree, Dak Prescott has been the best quarterback in the league, if not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. His accuracy has looked incredible, explosive left and right. His connection with CD Lamb has looked maybe like the best duo in the league in that stretch. But it's only a three-week stretch out of the whole season. And when he has games like the Cardinals game, especially the 49ers game, uh, even the Giants game early on, which even though it was a blowout, he didn't look too good in my opinion. And a lot of just mid-tier games surrounding those games up to the last couple of weeks. For me, Dak Prescott probably would have been nowhere near this conversation had he not had these last three weeks. Uh, We have like for me, two more tiers coming up, another tier for PD. I don't think Dak would have been in any of these tiers had we done this episode at the moment of that Chargers game. And I think him going up to what would be the next tier for me is what that last three-week swing has done for him, which is still huge, but still not enough for me to argue him as a Pro Bowl lock. And that's what this tier is. I think Allen and Goff, for me, are still firmly a tier above what Dak is right now. Yeah, so Dak, um, what's getting him to this level? Um, his ability to work in pure dropback without play action or screens has been really impressive. Um, the way they set up their offense for the Cowboys is like a lot of static routes, and then off those static routes, they kind of take play action shots, which is um, a lot better of an alternative than like spamming runs and screens. Um, they still they still do run the ball quite a lot in the Cowboys offense, but. Um, the alternative being just like simple hitches and stuff like that to get the defense to play up closer to the line of scrimmage. I like that a lot more than than setting up screens, and it's helpful for things like Dax EPA as well. Um, his ability to play with anticipation this year has been really impressive. Um, he's looked extremely accurate in the pocket this year. I still do think he has like a few issues um, with his um, footwork. Tends to play from his toes quite a lot. Um, tends to take a minute to get lined up to throw. But, um, yeah, I think that overall, collectively, this year, his combination of aggression and downfield accuracy has been a pretty great driver for the Dallas offense, and they've been absolutely on fire recently. Um, and a similar thing for Jared Goff, honestly. Um, but for him, it comes more off working off play action and spamming the middle of the field. Um, his synergy with Laporta and Amon Ross St. Brown um, is in that middle of the field area for the most part. Um, and it's been fantastic to watch this year. He's been super aggressive uh, targeting these tight windows over the middle of the field and such. Um, and at the same time, he hasn't been putting the ball in harm's way too much. So very, very impressive from both of these guys. Yeah, for me, I uh, absolutely agree with the golf. I'll go into that real quick. I think he's had by far the best season of his career this season. And most importantly, this just feels a match made in heaven. This Lions scheme and the way Jared Goff plays, it's just perfect. And I think a lot of people were unsure of 
how the Lions were going to deal with Jared Goff long term, but it seems like he just fits perfectly in this offense. Like PD mentioned, a lot of play action in this offense gives cuts half the field off for Jared Goff, gives him a couple of people to throw to and make that one or two read and just deliver the ball. And he's just in, got incredible accuracy, quick release, is able to get the ball in the perfect position, deliver it in the right spot every time, give his uh, receivers the chance to get as many yak yards as possible. And much like a lot of the other uh, quarterbacks that have the same mold as Jared Goff, he's just um, been amazing at abusing the middle of the field this year so many in-breaking routes slants in routes uh digs just all year long jared goff has been hitting those getting it to his receivers in stride by far had the has had one of the best completion percentages of his career i believe and i think one thing that you most importantly mentioned was the turnovers He's had very few of those, and it's because he's barely putting the ball in harm's way. I've seen very few situations where I've thought, oh, Jared Goff made the wrong decision here. Plenty of times where he just drops back in the pocket, and within three seconds, you see him delivering the ball. It's to an open receiver. Uh, just for me, what's separating him from like the next tier of guys is I think the, that tier, even though they take more risks, not are not necessarily as accurate as Jared Goff and maybe not even as good from the pocket as Jared Goff I, in some of their cases. I just think he doesn't have the big playability of those guys. He by far has less explosives. And when his explosives do come, it's more of a, uh, a result of like, alliance screenplay going to work or maybe him hitting someone 10 yards over the middle of the field they break a couple tackles and are able to break off a big play uh i don't think he has that ability and i don't because of his kind of lack of arm talent in general it's just something that may it's just not going to exist in his game ever uh he also doesn't really have much of any playmaking ability we don't haven't seen him do that at all this year which all of those other guys have some ability and for some of those elite guys it's at a very very high level their playmaking ability to me it's just Jared Goff is the epitome of a system quarterback and not to say that in a derogatory way he's just bought in completely to the system his skill set matches it perfectly and it's become just like a perfect match and quickly to just touch on what you were talking about with Dak I absolutely agree with a lot of the points you're making for why he's up there I think his accuracy has looked amazing too I think him in this offense has looked so good you mentioned a lot of the stop routes and kind of work how the Cowboys offense have worked off that I think another big thing that I've liked that they've done over the past couple of weeks with Dak is how they've utilized CD Lamb he's kind of all over the place he's lining up in the slot he's lining up on the outside he's running like a myriad of different routes and it's allowed because of how good the chemistry of cd lamb and dak is dak is able to get it to cd lamb in a lot of different spots and the way they've varied his kind of route combos and how they're using him it's confused defenses but allowed dak to still be on the same wavelength with him and just destroy defenses in that regard but despite all of that I still think those first five six weeks of the season with like some of the worst quarterback performances I've seen of the year out of anybody in games like that San Francisco game it's got to bring Dak down for me it, it, I, I there's not very many quarterbacks kind of in this range who I'll have head scratcher performances like that San Francisco game for and uh stuff like that is just hard for me to put Dak in this tier yeah, quickly before I jump into the next tier, um, Jared Goff, I think his playmaking, like, I don't know if I'd classify this quite as playmaking as you would, like, uh, running outside the pocket and throwing on the run, but his ability to throw off his back foot and kind of get releases off in tight spaces has been improved to me. Um, and some yeah. of their bigger bigger plays in the intermediate area of the field have come because of that. And I think there were some few a few throws in the Bucks game that stood out to me like that. Um, so I, I think Goff is improved this year, um, and he's also synergizing perfectly and hitting a high point accuracy-wise um, with the system. So, um, yeah, a lot going right for Goff, but I did want to mention that as something that I noticed in, in film study. 
And real quick, before we move on from that, I do agree with that take. I think his ability to kind of sit out in the pocket, maybe even take a hit and just deliver a pass uh, at the last second, like you mentioned, off his back foot has been at the best he's ever been. But to me, that's not necessarily a playmaking trait that still just falls into like the pocket passing quarterback trait category and for me he has improved as that too i i think in previous years he may have really needed the play action to make him and an offense with him work and i think this year it's not necessarily been as reliant on that i think his pocket passing ability has greatly improved and that is part of why all right so let's get into the next group so um, this is my last tier for guys who have arguments um, and it's a big tier, so we'll kind of fly through these guys, um, spend a little bit more detail on the guys who we think should probably make it as the season goes on and we get into um, our second episode when we recheck back in. So for me, this group is Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, uh, Matthew Stafford, um, Kirk Cousins with an asterisk because he's not going to make it at the end of the year. But um, right now, if he continued playing at the pace that he was, he would have certainly made it for me. Um, Trevor Lawrence, CJ Stroud, Jalen Hurts, and Brock Purdy. Um, and just quickly speed running through the numbers for them. So I'll start with Jalen Hurts, ninth in PFF, passing grade, 11th overall grade, sixth in EPA, and second in completion percentage over expectation. Um, for Lawrence, those numbers are 10th, 9th, 17th, and 19th. Um, for Stroud, 11th, 10th, 7th, and 20th. Um, for Joe Burrow, 12th, 13th, 16th, and 13th. Um, for Geno Smith, 13th, 16th, 19th, and 9th. For Justin Herbert, 14th, 14th, 8th, and 14th. Um, for uh, for Brock Purdy, 15th, 12th, 1st, and 7th. Um, for Kirk Cousins, 4th, 7th, 11th, and 8th, with the obvious asterisk that he's not going to play any more games. Um, and for Matthew Stafford, 7th, 8th, 15th, and 32nd. Um, <coughs> oh, yeah. Um, who on that list do you think um, has an, a chance to make the Pro Bowl tier as the year goes on, and uh, who would you just kind of leave off? Yeah, so for me, I think that list is pretty vast, and I would split it out up into like two different tiers. Uh, We talked about this outside the pod, but I think at this point, with the Pro Bowl obviously being an exclusive list, eight guys really, uh, I, I like to keep it more limited. And for me, this list includes guys who I do think have a very good chance of making it. Uh, based off one particular thing, which I'll get into in a second. And there's another list of guys that have an outside shot at it. And maybe they could get on a heater and get themselves in. But at this point in the season, I wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily putting them in the Pro Bowl conversation. And for me, the out but arguable category, kind of like you just talked about, would be Dak Prescott, obviously, I just talked about it. He's right at the top of this tier, I'd say. And then some of the guys you mentioned, like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, CJ Stroud, and Jalen Hurts. And for me, the reason it's that group of five and uh, the other guys that you mentioned, Stafford, Kirk, Purdy, and Lawrence, and I'll get into that list in a second. Uh, and there's a, a couple of other guys I have in that list. The reason I have guys like Burrow, Herbert, Hertz, and Stroud a tier above them, and obviously Dak, is very similar to the reason I had Dak in this tier in the first place. It's because I've seen very high-level elite performances out of them, similar to the other guys we've talked about, just not at as consistent of a level. And it's various different reasons for all of these guys. For Burrow, it was the calf injury. For Hertz, it was kind of the question marks they had at the start of the season with them running the football a lot and not really utilizing the deep plays, plus a couple of turnovers uh, he had early on in the season. With Justin Herbert, it's been the same situation with him kind of learning to be aggressive, yet still having a lot more games where he's throwing turnover-worthy plays and maybe not playing as well. Uh, And with C.J. Stroud, it's been the casual rookie games he's had where he's not played as well, his accuracy's been off, he's not been at his best. I think all of these guys have had those games, and but they've also had stretches or games here and there where they've been playing at a very elite level, where they've been playing at the same level as guys like Tua Mahomes we've seen. And for Burrow, that stretch has come in the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe uh, barring that Houston game, but the Buffalo game, the San Francisco game, the Seattle game, 
or maybe not so much the Seattle game, but uh, and in the Cardinals game, he's had very high level elite performances as he's kind of gradually recovered from that calf injury. With Justin Herbert, we've seen games like this past week against the Lions, the uh, what uh, the Bears game for me, uh, games like the Minnesota game and the Miami game earlier on in the year that are high level elite performances. Uh, same thing with Jalen Hurts with. Uh, the Washington game that we talked about uh, in detail of how good he was, the Cowboys game just last week, uh, and even games earlier on in the year. And Stroud, it's been well documented how in the last couple of weeks he's been amazing versus like the Bengals, Bucks, etc. So for me, this tier is out because they've been inconsistent, but they very much have the argument because they have shown their high-level ability. And in that next tier, to me, that's out with the weak argument and they also have had instances where yes they've put up performances like this but maybe it's only once or twice as opposed to four or five times for these other guys and that's guys like Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, Kirk Cousins would be here obviously like you mentioned it's asterisks right now with him being out for the rest of the year he can't really improve upon it but this is where he'd be either ways and same with Purdy and guy a guy I would like to add to that list is uh Geno Smith as well those are guys who maybe have the opportunity to hop on a heater and um get themselves in the list but when you include uh, our locks my uh, and like the ins, but don't feel like arguing them out as well as the out but arguable, that roughly leaves me with 10 to 12 quarterbacks. And I like to kind of limit my list to those amount because ultimately at the end of the day, we do need eight at the end of the season who will call the top eight quarterbacks for the Pro Bowl. And I think if we extend it past it to guys like Lawrence Purdy, who are maybe in the middle of the pack right now in terms of all quarterbacks, to me, that's where we extend the list too far. And that's why I've kind of separated it into two tiers. Yeah, that, that makes sense for me. Um, I'll have the tiers after this where I kind of just read off names and we don't do any discussion um, mm -hmm. of guys that could potentially go on a heater. Um, I like to be a little bit more liberal with who I include because it's very early on in the season. Um, and I'll get stricter once we have the full season um, finished for us. Um, so let's do some quick back and forth. Um, don't want to get in too much depth for the sake of brevity, but um, for the guys that um, we listed, um, Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts is in this tier because of his ability to uh, connect on deep passes the rest of the year. Um, he's still not playing at the level that he was last year in totality. Um, but I think there are some improvements in his game. Um, he seems to be um, a touch more accurate to me. He seems to be um, playing more controlled in the pocket, even if he's holding on to the ball more. Um, taking less sacks on a, a per dropback basis. Um, avoiding um, pressures in, in his way. Um, and he's actually more aggressive pushing the ball down the field. He's making more explosive plays. Um, than he was last year. Um, that's come at the cost of more turnover he plays, but um, that's kind of what happens when you play more aggressive. So um, as he gets to continue to be more and more healthy, um, I think we'll see better play from him. Yeah, I agree. And I think Hertz is one of those guys that if we kind of chopped off a little bit of the start of the season and yeah, maybe even some games in the middle, like the Jets game, uh, he would look a lot better because I think he's really put together uh, things together as of late. Uh, I would agree with you that he hasn't been at the same rate as he's been last year, mainly because of the thing you said last year, he was incredible at not putting the ball in harm's way uh, comparative to this year where he's been a lot worse at that. I also feel like he's been a little bit worse at dealing with pressure and has taken more sacks this season, but he's still rushing at an incredible rate. The amount of touchdowns he generates from that tush-push play is still crazy. I think he's looked a little bit less uh, explosive because of the injury, and as a result, we haven't had as many breakout run plays as we saw last year on like those design runs. I think it's because of a little bit less speed and explosion he has this year due to all the injuries he's dealt with, and maybe that's another reason he's a little bit worse than he was last year. Uh, but yeah, as of late, the deep ball has absolutely 
a hit for them. The connection between him and A.J. Brown has been incredible. His accuracy on those deep balls has been amazing. He's still uh, really good at attacking the middle of the field, much like he was last year. A lot of those timing routes to guys like Goddard, Devonta Smith over the middle of the field has been on point. Uh, it's just early on in the year. They weren't really trusting him with the ball. He wasn't getting to throw it as often as he was last year or as deep as he was last year. They were relying on the run game, and I'm not sure why that was. I feel like that put him out of his groove a little bit. And when they did get to throwing the ball a lot more, we saw a lot more of uh, interceptions, a lot more turnover-worthy plays. And these last couple of weeks, he's settled in. We're starting to see the Jalen Hurts of last year a little bit more. And to project how he's going to go the rest of the year, I absolutely think he's going to end up as like a lock or just outside a lock by the end of the year uh, because of kind of the way he's upwards trending. And like PD mentioned, hopefully after the bye, he gets healthy too. Uh, but definitely been putting together a good season. All right, so I'm going to group some of these guys um, for the sake of time. Um, Burrow and Herbert, we kind of discussed a similar thing with them, um, both dealing with some sort of injury. Um, for Burrow, it was that he couldn't run for the first four weeks. Um, and for the recent uh, games that he's played, he's been able to generate a ton more explosive plays, which has been huge for the Bengals' offense. Um, even in the Texans game, they still managed to put up a ton of points um, despite Burrow throwing a couple of interceptions, um, getting lucky with a fumble, but... Um, we'll discuss that more in detail on this week's episode. Um, and then for Herbert, he's been more aggressive this year in terms of pushing the ball down the field. Um, it's gotten worse since Mike Williams got injured, which is something you would expect. Um, not really upset at him about that. But um, the thing that I am kind of interested in looking at as the season goes on with Herbert is that his ability to generate explosive plays, while it has gotten better, especially after that Lions game, um, I still feel like there are plays being left on the table for a quarterback of his caliber um, in terms of how he uses his touch. Um, so he has, I feel like he has a ext pretty extreme preference for um, using his fastball, um, where someone like Patrick Mahomes or a Joe Burrow or even Josh Allen um, have these moments out of structure where they layer their uh, touch ball a lot better um and that's I'll, I'll kind of continue to monitor that as the season goes on um i don't think herbert has had like a truly bad game other than maybe the raiders game and that's probably not fair to just say that because he broke his finger in that game but um that's the only one that i think he was truly bad and um that consistent baseline um is kind of why he's in this tier even with the absence of like extreme high-end performances aside from the recent detroit game yeah, but first and foremost, I like that you did group kind of these guys. I think I'd also want to throw Hurts in that category of three guys with like elite traits who you could see in the elite tier, but because of injuries or other circumstances have not played at that level. I do agree that Burrow and Herbert uh, have been in that same way. And much like you said, even though it's similar situations, it's for different reasons. I think Burrow's was a little bit more clear cut. We saw in preseason he had that calf injury, obviously. We see him come into this year player pretty bad to start. That Browns game to start was extremely rough. And even up till like the next three, four weeks, he looked clearly unhealthy. He couldn't run. He was hobbling around in the pocket. He wasn't able to drive off his back foot. And then for me, I think when he really got healthy was that bye week after the Seattle game. And Ever since then, I think he's looked completely different. He's looked like the Joe Burrow of old. We see him be able to take off and scramble here and there. You see his yards and attempts running the last three-ish weeks go up significantly, and I think that's why. You see a little bit more power and drive in his throws because he's actually able to step off that back foot. And I also thought it bugged his footwork and accuracy uh, uh, as a result. Uh, because of how his he just wasn't able to step off that calf and just drive through it. And that's even, I think, over the last couple of weeks improved his touch on his passes, just him being able to deliver it in the right spot in general has kind of got back to the Joe Burrow of what we expect, which is that a, him delivering the ball in the right spot at a very, very high level. To me, much like Hertz, if we took uh, a lot more of the last three, four weeks into – priority he'd be a lot higher and I do think if he keeps playing at the level he's been over the last couple of weeks when he's been healthy that uh he is going to get to that uh 
a Pro Bowl tier. And I think the same with Herbert as well. I think he may be less than these other guys has a clear cut injury that's held him back. I think his injuries have been more nagging. We see it come in and out. Uh, and when, like when he broke his finger, you see a little bit of a downturn, then he gets back. And before that, he also had a couple of good games. So it's a little bit more sporadic with Herbert. And I think one thing with Herbert, which I mentioned with guys like Mahomes earlier and Lamar, uh, I think he needs a little bit more leeway being in this category because of the situation. If you look at Hertz and Burrow, they're in elite situations by far. Even Strouds, I'd say, is a heavy plus situation. I think ever since the uh, Mike Williams injury, the situation has not been a positive for Herbert, maybe a neutral at best. Austin Eckler, probably the best weapon on this offense, has been out a lot of the season. Mike Williams has been out since week three or week four, whatever it was. Quentin Johnston has not played nearly at the level you would expect out of a first-round draft pick. And the rest of the receivers, not much talent there aside from Keenan Allen, obviously. He was putting up one of the better years of his career. So definitely that's what's kept this offense afloat. And much like Allen, I think this a system doesn't necessarily suit Herbert the best. Uh, definitely better than previous years where they forced him to be a lot more conservative conservative than he needed to be, uh, but still maybe not the best way of utilizing his skill set. However, much like these other guys, he has had amazing games like the Detroit game, in my opinion, the Vikings game, the Miami game, where he's played at a high level. Uh, but like you mentioned, he doesn't have really any bad games to a really uh, really bad extent, maybe like we've seen these other guys, but we also haven't seen the really high, high, uh, really good performances out of him that we have seen out of like your Tua's, your Allen's, your maybe even Burrow's uh, uh, off the last couple of weeks. Uh, and because of kind of the lack of really bad games and lack of really good games, he just has a kind of good base level, kind of like you mentioned, maybe a high ceiling or a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy. And I do think maybe if he gets more consistent and has a couple of those games, he can jump up into that tier, but maybe less potential than Hertz and Burrow, uh, especially because of the situation. I do think if you do give him the leeway for the situation, though, he definitely can jump up into that same tier too. All right, so let me group these last three guys. Uh, or actually, I'll quickly touch on Matthew Stafford. Um, he would be in a tier up or maybe two. He has been playing fantastic. He's been kind of dragging um, the Rams' passing attack. Or I shouldn't say dragging. He has talent. But um, the way that they structure their concepts, it just continues to require Matthew Stafford to make throws with anticipation, with his arm strength. Um, his accuracy has been very up and down for his entire career. But um, this year on the high-degree difficulty throws, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, he hasn't been putting the ball in harm's way as much as his interception totals would show. But even if he was, his uh, ability to make the explosive downfield plays has been more than enough to make up for it. Um, and I think he's been playing fantastic, better than the numbers would show. Um, and then I'll group these last guys um, by because of their age. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, CJ Stroud, and Brock Purdy. Um, two of those guys in Stroud and Brock Purdy have been playing fantastic recently. Um, and they have very good situations. Um, and I'll talk about those two specifically. So both of those guys play in uh, Shanahan's style of offense with Bobby Sloak coming from that Shanahan tree. Um, requires the quarterback to make accurate throws with anticipation. Um, and both of, that do, both of them do that at a really high level. Um, you'll see their EPA outperforming their other metrics, and that's because EPA kind of weights towards team success. Um, and that system is incredibly successful um, with both of them performing seventh, um, and seventh or <coughs> no, first and seventh in EPA um, for Purdy and Stroud, um, which is kind of ahead of their otherwise um, average to above average stats. So um, yeah, both of them playing great football. Um, think they're both on an upward trajectory, um, but they're not quite in that pro bowl tier for me because they kind of have yards after catch helping them in the EPA uh, stuff. And the receiver's ability to separate as a result of the scheme is, is pretty significant. Um, for both of them. Yeah, and I'll also go through this grouping real quick too, and I'll separate it into the guys who I did have in my 
higher tier and the guys I did have in my they're out of this Pro Bowl tier. And the only guy of this group that I did have on that same level as your Hertz, Burroughs and Herberts, and that is CJ Stroud. Uh, I think CJ Stroud, much like those other guys over the past couple of weeks, has put up incredible performances. I think that Tampa Bay performance is going to be one of the best we've seen this year so far. Games like that Jaguars game early in the year, the Colts game the earlier in the year, uh, even this last week with the Bengals game. He's put up very, very high level performances. Uh, unfortunately, as all rookies do. He has had a couple of stinker performances like that Panthers game, even the Falcons game for me, uh, that Saints game, games where he looks nowhere near himself. His accuracy drops off to a pretty by a pretty significant margin. Uh, he's putting the ball in harm's way a little bit more. And because of that, he's fallen to this tier. But I think much like the guys we've talked about, like Tua, Allen, Mahomes, he has had those high-end uh, games to the same extent as them. And I think of all of these guys, based off what we've seen, I think Stroud may have one of the better opportunities to jump up here. Uh, because honestly, the only reason I don't have him higher is it seems to be just kind of immaturity from him, him not really being settled in into the NFL yet and having bad games as a result of that uh, rather than kind of a flaw in his game. And I think what we've seen over the past couple of weeks and kind of the way Stroud is trending, if I had to project rest of the year, uh, much like those other guys too, I do expect him to jump up uh, just purely based off that. And going into the other guys, and that includes Stafford, Purdy, Lawrence, all of those guys to me are firmly out. Uh, real quick, the only guy who I think would have the best conversation here, and uh, and this isn't to be biased because of me being a Niners fan, and that is Brock Purdy. And that comes because the reason I do have him out is because of the really, really low-level games he's had, like the Bengals game, the Minnesota game, the Browns game, kind of that three-game losing streak uh, they had, was some of the worst quarterback performances I've seen in a long time. So the, the decisions he made in those games, the picks he threw in those games were atrocious. And even some of the games like that Giants game and Rams game look a little bit inflated because he wasn't punished for a lot of the times he put the ball in harm's way. Uh, the only reason maybe I'd give him some leeway in those situations is because uh, a big reason as to why he had those really bad games was because he was concussed in those games. And in all of those games, there was an incident where he was hit hard to the head. And after that, we saw those really bad plays come about. However, when you balance that with the fact that he's got by far the best supporting cast in the league, or maybe not by far the best, but one of the best for sure, one of the best schemes in the league for his skill set, I think when you take that into account as well, uh, it, it kind of balances out and the amount of bad games he's had puts him out for me. He hasn't had the number of really high level games to make up for it and kind of bring him out of that category. So he's still out for me, but maybe the best guy in this list, the next guy for me would be Lawrence. And I think Lawrence absolutely has been let down by the team. Uh, doesn't really get much separation from his supporting cast. But I do think he hasn't taken that step forward that people expected him to, and that's why it's reflecting in his production. Uh, I think accuracy-wise, people expected a little bit more. We still see a lot of errant throws, a lot of just random turnover-worthy plays that he's forcing that you don't really want to see, you don't expect out of him. I think for uh, the level his offensive line is playing, which not the best, but I'd still say they're middle of the pack. I think he's taking more sacks than not only I expected out of him, but the more sacks than he should. Uh, he's not really making up for it enough with explosives. And maybe that is because of it being a poor scheme, but that is what it is. He just hasn't been able to make up for it. He hasn't had any really high-level games that I expect, uh, but also not really a whole lot of really low games. I think he's kind of in the same uh, situation as Herbert where it's evening out for him, but his baseline's a lot lower because he has not had the best games Herbert has had. 
And to touch on Stafford, to me, I think he's firmly one of the lower guys on this list. And to me, he's clearly out. I think, yeah, he did have a couple of great performances to start out. Those first three weeks, he was looking really, really good. But I think he kind of regressed back to what we expected out of uh, Matthew Stafford and kind of regressed to back to the mean of what he is. Uh, we're seeing his accuracy drop back to the levels of what we expect. Uh, I also agree with you that maybe the interceptions don't reflect the amount of times he put the ball in harm's way. However, he is still doing it at a pretty high rate, kind of like what we're expect, what we've seen out of Matthew Stafford the whole year. Uh, I do think he, even though you, you could say to a certain extent he's dragging this offense uh, passing-wise, he does have talent like Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, Tutu Atwell, which you did acknowledge, but I do think that's a lot better than a lot of the situations these other guys have, like Herbert Mahomes, and he's not his play is not reflecting that. I think it's reflecting roughly what it is, maybe slightly better, but uh, to me, nowhere near a Pro Bowl quarterback. Yeah, so uh, I might want to do like something separate on Trevor Lawrence. His um, his his statistical profile versus his play, from what I've watched, is shaping up to be one of the more interesting case studies of the year. Um, but let's get to my last group, which is just where I kind of read off names, um, throw out thoughts, um, and cross my fingers that they play better to get themselves uh, into this upper tier. Um, so these are guys for me that are like firmly out, but they could play themselves back in. Um, Russell Wilson uh, and Geno Smith, two former Seattle and current Seattle quarterback. Um, yeah, I think Russ has been held extremely tight on a leash by Sean Payton. Um, and it's been interesting to see him work in that structure of that system. Um, he's not really putting the ball in harm's way too much in terms of interceptions, but he does have some fumbles that are not going to be um, showing up um, in just that basic interception total. Um, yeah, I think he's looked more spry as he's lost weight. Um, been good taking his deep shots, but it's so many, so many checkdowns, uh, which is a big time limiter of his turnover-worthy plays. Um, and I think at this point, that's probably what's best for the offense because his decision-making and ability to kind of um, make the big throw, his touch, his uh, arm strength, those things are, are declining. And um, the way to make sense of that offensively as a play caller, I think is to um, limit his ability to have control over the offense. Um, Geno Smith, absolute opposite, opposite end of the spectrum, still putting the ball in harm's way a ton, but his ability to generate explosives down the field has dropped off from last year pretty significantly. And now he's being punished more for uh, putting the ball in harm's way, which last year he was kind of on the luckier side, despite being really high in interceptions. Um, yeah, this year he's, kind of regress back to having normal luck in terms of the interceptions. Um, and that component of his game, while it's kind of similar last, to last year for me, um, the lack of explosive plays <coughs> was something that we pointed out as having potential to drop off, and it kind of has. Um, so those two guys, mm -hmm. for me, are the ones that um, can play at a Pro Bowl level for the rest of the year realistically, but um, I don't think that they would make it right now. And I think you're in agreement there, unless you want to add something more. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I think me personally, as we talked about, I'm a little bit more stringent with this. And for that reason, I wouldn't even mention these guys because uh, I don't really see a realistic world where they play at a Pro Bowl level. And the reason is, uh, the reasons are much of what you said. Gino's biggest problem is putting the ball in harm's way too much. Now he's getting punished for it. And he's also declined a little bit with his downfield accuracy, I think, not really making the explosives to make up for uh, it like he was last year. And for that reason, he stagnated and become kind of just like a bad gunslinger quarterback. I don't really see him going on a heater. Uh, he has the capability to, I'm sure, but if I had to predict, it isn't happening. And I also think Russ is very much far. He did have a pretty hot start to the year. But like you said, as of recent weeks, it seems to be his lack of downfield ability, his lack of arm talent has limited this offense significantly. Uh, watching the Broncos offense, it feels like their only play calls are screen, check down, or move Russell Wilson out of the pocket and hope he can uh, make a simple read in that sense. And I don't think that's nearly or even close to conducive of Pro Bowl-level quarterback play when your offense is that limited. Uh, and, yeah, he's not turning the ball over, sure, but 
it, it's at coming at the cost of a really, really slow moving offense, which really, really conservative play calling. Yeah. Um, and I think after that, those group of guys, um, it gets to uh, guys listing off names and having fun. Yeah. Um, and I'll do that right now. So um, just kind of throwing out names of guys who could play at a Pro Bowl level if they take a jump. Uh, most of these guys are going to be younger guys. Um, Justin Fields, we mentioned him at the midpoint last year. Uh, it's looking a lot worse now, but I, I fingers crossed, holding out hope for the Justin Fields supporters. Um, Baker Mayfield, like maybe, but I don't really see it. Um, he would need to take a jump in terms of his consistency and accuracy to get there, but he does have the aggression um, to, to kind of be in, in that uh, upper tier. Um, Jordan Love, we've seen some good play recently from him. He has the aggression, just needs to control the accuracy. Um, has some moments where he just looks like a superstar with incredible arm talent. He really does have one of the best arms in the league, but um, arm talent can only get you so far in isolation. Um, this one's not a young quarterback, but Derek Carr. I have abhorred watching Derek Carr film this year, but he's been turning it up recently a little bit. Um, less skipping the progression, going straight to checkdowns, and more um, playing like a serious quarterback. Um, injured against the Vikings, but when he comes back, I think he's got – uh, a potential heater in him, even if I um, don't think that it's particularly probable at this point. Um, guy that I'm actually very excited about, uh, Sam Howell. Sam Howell has been very good these past few weeks, taking a lot less sacks than recent uh, weeks. Um, and yeah, it's just been a lot better for him um, from a consistency standpoint. Um, and then a few more names, um, just throwing them out there because sometimes things click in the middle of the season. Um, Kenny Pickett, Will Levis, Bryce Young. These guys are not guys that um, I would think have a good chance of making it. Um, but, you know, sometimes things click in the middle of the season and um, guys go on heaters. We saw Kenny Pickett do it last year despite having a slow start. Um, it's possible he does it again this year. All right. That'll be all from us in this one. Make sure to like, leave a rating, do whatever you need to do on whatever platform that you're listening on. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at BD34 underscore and Real Rahul Potty 2. That'll be all for me. That'll be all for Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Yeah, we could be-